Welcome to A Day in the Why, a podcast where I talk with fascinating folks about the jobs they've held, the things they've learned, and how well those line up with their values and goals. You may just learn something, but I hope you'll at least laugh along with us as we dive into the mistakes we've made, the lessons we've learned, and the secrets behind how we got where we are today and where we're going tomorrow. Welcome to A Day in the Why, episode number six, a special episode today where we explore what our guests do for a living, their road to that role, and how it aligns with their values and goals. Welcome to the show, Tom. I'm excited we could get together here today because uh, you're my cousin. Yeah. So therefore, I have followed your career since we were infants. (laughs) Infants, yeah. Infants. I suppose that's true. I uh, appreciate you making time during your family vacation to share some insights with me and our listeners about what you're doing right now and how you got there. So to start things off, can you give us an overview of what it is that you actually do these days? That's that's a question that I get a fair amount, and I should probably have a better answer uh, set up. More or less, I'm I'm a jack of jack of many trades. Uh, my my main calling is online education, specifically for adult education, and within that scope, I end up doing a lot of uh, video production and and photography and writing and other creative work, illustrating, things like that. But all of it is along the lines of all of it is along the lines of biological and agricultural education for adults and certification programs, things like that. You said illustration. Yeah. Yeah. You do illustration as well? I do. Uh, all of it is all of it is within Adobe most of it's within Adobe Illustrator and most of it is based on things that I imagine properly biologically happening in the wild. I, I'm trying to explain concepts, agricultural okay. concepts, uh, a lot of times. And so, for example, one of the things that I didn't draw in Illustrator was was a hand-drawn uh, version of how a paraplow works. That was a, a pen and ink illustration of how the paraplow rips like three feet below the surface and how that soil then is uh, reduced structurally within that area. I, I didn't actually use Illustrator for that at all, but most of the time I do. It's it's mostly drawing things like corrugated pipes and outflow systems, water systems, phosphorus reduction systems, things like that. So, so when you feel there's a need to explain something uh, further than you can use uh, just text and, and voice with, then you, you'll either source or create visual artifacts. Yeah. Okay. A lot. A lot of the time, I like to create those because it speaks more directly to what I'm trying to discuss. It's it's really hard to source artifacts, uh, at least in the areas that I'm working in, because there aren't a whole lot of people that make things like that. You can find line drawings and stick drawings in people's PowerPoints sometimes, uh, maybe on the USDA websites or NRCS, but. A lot of times it's easier just to make things because it's it's both faster and more explanatory once we get into it that way. And you don't have to do any rights management. That's <laughs> that's another huge reason why I do a lot of <laughs> a lot of video and photo and there are a couple of agricultural websites that provide photo services for a fee and that fee is pretty exorbitant. So it's pretty it's much easier for me to go out and take those photos and just use them myself. And then I know that I know what I've got. Mm-hmm. And it's a lot easier and faster for me to, to find things quickly. <clears throat> now, I got two questions for you. One, uh, are, are you working for a company right now? Or are you working on contracts for companies? Or, or how, how's that set up? Yeah. And, I, and, then, and I'll go ahead and tell you the second question, too. Sure. Uh, why agriculture, right? Why, why the focus on agriculture? So those are the two questions. Well, I'll, I'll answer the second one first. Why agriculture? 
um, my my whole life has been spent around agriculture. Uh, my my father is a, a professor of forest hydrology, and and I've spent many years in the field. And since we lived in Iowa, where there are not a lot of forests, um, <laughs> most most of most of what we've done has dealt with managing um, managing nitrogen inputs to rivers and things like that, uh, where there's a lot of hydro- hydrological cycling that goes on and trying to reduce the nitrogen that farmers may or may not apply to their fields before it gets into the river. And, and Dad's done a lot of work with nitrogen management in the landscape, in an agricultural landscape specifically. So I, I've been sitting in a tractor seat for a long time. Uh, I haven't specifically learned about agriculture, but I have a I have a degree in forest ecosystem management and a and a master's in horticulture, and then a PhD in education. So it's those elements of your education kind of triangulate this this unique pulpit. <laughs> they, they do, and and for for about ten years, I sp- I spent working at Iowa State University as as both the creator for a while and then the director of a, a master's. A distance master's program in agriculture. So I created many of the materials for that. Uh, all of these online courses were basically interactive textbooks at the time, uh, where we built everything, uh, JavaScript, front-end stuff, because it all had to go out on CD. A lot of the ag- egg space doesn't, still doesn't have fast internet out where people are uh, and trying to take some of these things. So these days, it's much easier just to send a a USB or even have them download it at their at their company, but mm-hmm. um, when we were doing it ten years ago, it was much you easier might not to send have out a great signal out, out in the outskirts of Iowa or Idaho or South Dakota, right? Yep. So if you could just send them a CD-ROM or a, a you know maybe a, a, a DVD, yep. then you could send their whole career for them that way. Yeah, okay. yeah, that was it. And I'm sorry, what was the what was the first question? That was the agriculture part of that question. The the oh, the other one was contracting, whether or not I was working for a company, right? Or because you mentioned now, you mentioned uh, working for Iowa State. Yes, um, but I don't believe you're still working for Iowa State. No, no, my my path has, had been coming out of school. I uh, had worked for the agronomy department at Iowa State University for about ten years in their distance master's program, and from there I had gone to Pioneer which now is called Corteva, um, and I worked for them for about four years. And to clarify for listeners, that's not the audio technology no, vendor pioneer. That's the that's the seed, seed sales pioneer, seed production and sales. That's the agricultural pioneer. And then to put that in perspective, what is the size, uh, is, what, what is the reach of that company? Where are they positioned that, as far as a corporation? Yeah, that reach is, is across the world. Uh, I worked at the at the main campus on the on the uh, VP floor, um, uh, not near the VPs, but I was I was of course across in the marketing and educational section. So we did a lot of a lot of training and certification type courses for for seed salesmen because a lot of them a lot of them came in not knowing a whole lot about agriculture. They were good salesmen, but they needed a crash course and onboarding courses for agriculture. So and then from there. Uh, I left Pioneer and, and I've been doing my own consulting work since then. And I spend a lot of my time with the American, uh, the Tri-Societies, the American Society of, Gro- of Agronomy, the Soil Science Society of America, and the Crop Science Society of America. So they, they use a majority of my time 
Uh, however, I am an independent consultant. So okay. I do occasionally still work for Corteva and, and other groups. I've, I've done, done uh, work with Ameriprise and, and uh, some other big names. I can't think of all of them right now, but there's at least, at least half a dozen, if not more, large names um, that I've worked with. So, okay, yeah. I remember uh, just kind of vaguely keeping track of what you were doing and where, where, where you were for a while. And I always thought it was interesting that you had made that transition, <clears throat> excuse me, made that transition from academia to uh, the, the corporate world into industry uh, and then uh, ended up kind of doing things on your own, right? And so it's almost full circuit. Um, what, if we were to call this a phase of your career, you know, after your Iowa State phase and your pioneer phase, now you're in this uh, uh, running your own ship phase. Um, what is your, your favorite part about this phase of your career? That's a very good question because I, you know, daily I'm, I'm somewhat ambivalent about, about my position, even though in many ways it's a lot better for me because I am my own person. I, I enjoy some stability, which I do have in, in my present situation. Uh, I also don't particularly like following following a whole lot of rules, <laughs> to put it. My, I mean, to put it simply, uh, and I I had a difficult time. I, of course, I follow rules. <laughs> I mean, everybody does. But <clears throat> I I like to create my own processes, and I like to create the ways I do things uh, my own way. So, I think I think. Um, Right now, I think, is probably my favorite time in my career because it has, has given me the latitude to look at and, and do a whole bunch of different projects, not just in the ag sphere, but I, that's most of where I've done things. Uh, I, have, I have the ability and, and the desire to go outside of that. It's just a question of whether or not I have enough time to do that. Uh, because, because I do know the ag space the best, it's usually easier for me to stay within that. But it's I, the most efficient for you, right? It's the most efficient, sure. It's like muscle memory. Yes. But but I do like doing other things and learning other things outside of that. So And let me let me flip that around. If you could surgically excise any element of, of what you're doing now, what would that be? You know, if you had your druthers, what, what could you pull out of that that would make your, your present situation even better? The present situation even better. That's that's a little harder. That's a little harder. I think I think probably the easiest thing to get rid of would be the monotony of certain projects. Uh, for example, I, I just got done with an, a year-long project of producing a whole bunch of courses for a certification program, and I I did everything for it. I did all of the I did all of the audio recording, so there's voiceovers for everything. I did all of the illustrations that needed to be done for that. Uh, Maybe a few I got from an illustrator, but I took a majority of the photographs for all of these things, and I wrote almost all of the courses as well. And and I love creating systems. I love creating creating and putting together how things need to work in order to be efficient for somebody else on the outside. But I have a very difficult time in the ninth inning, we'll say, cookie-cutting pasting and doing these pages over and over and over once you get the process down. 
Once, so, once every ounce of novelty has been wrung out of the yes. project. If I were to do something different, and, and I have a couple colleagues that I, that I talk to on occasion uh, about this because they've done it and I have not. If I could do anything different that would, that would improve my situation, it would probably be to either contract or, or get a couple employees that dealt with those day-to-day sorts of things while I focused on producing the systems and mm-hmm. uh, setting things up for them to continue on and, and do the page-by-page plays. That's probably a good way for you to scale as well. Mm-hmm. Not just in terms of offloading the, the less desirable elements to you, to, to someone else that you're bringing in, but also a way that you can actually maybe begin to look at other domains yeah. uh, outside of agriculture uh, because you're offloading some of that stuff. Mm-hmm. You can focus the, uh, the recouped time on, I guess, uh, counteracting the, the decrease in efficiency. Yeah, that that you get from not working in agriculture. Yeah, I I think I think a lot of also a lot of what people have desired in the ag space right now is webinars and video, and so I I would probably focus a little more on that if I had my druthers, but I I haven't been able to do that as much because some of the other programs that I've been working with through USDA, NRCS, and SARE grants and other things like that, I I've been mostly producing online online education through things like Captivate and Storyline and and other programs. So it's not it's not video per se. There are video elements to some of those things. I would love to get more into some video and, and animation sorts of things. Mm-hmm. Those are the types of things I like to learn. Uh, I like to produce and see how far I can go in those areas. Well, thank you for sharing that. Though. I, I hadn't realized uh, the extent of your, uh, I guess, let's, let's call them relationships within the, the ag space that yeah. you were able to to leverage to get and, and do work. So let's take a step back. Now, now that we've got a pretty good idea of what you're doing, let's talk about kind of how you got there. Um, what would you say are the most influential stepping stones in your life that led to you being where you are now? Obviously, that's significantly the influence of family uh, mm-hmm. and and perhaps friends. Uh, some people I say, I ask them if it was that first job over the summer that, that you know kind of piqued their interest. But uh, uh, were there any significant life experiences, eureka moments, if you will? I can't think of any specific eureka moments. I think it's more of a conglomeration of everything that's happened. Like you said, uh, family had a lot to do with that, just setting things up to be sort of agriculture-esque in there. But as my as my father got more and more into his work with, with the ag landscape and, and nitrogen reduction and buffer strips and things like that, I was I was sort of his right hand man when it came to things like computers and this this was back when the internet was just starting right so it was more hey do you know how to do this and so I went and figured it out mm-hmm. and I learned a lot of things that way that I, I won't say dad doesn't know how to program the VCR type of person but sure but I was always that person that he went to to, to figure things out it, it comes down to efficiency right he, yeah. he wouldn't have been able to spend the time he's been able to focus. On his his career and the the, uh, the outreach and, right. and the community programs he's developed and, and uh, executed, if he'd been trying to figure out how to program the VCR, right. So in in that case, I started taking a lot of photos for him. Uh, went flying at the time when we didn't have drones. We I went flying around uh, in an airplane with with a pilot to take pictures of all his projects and things like that aerially, and then uh, I was making websites when they were just starting to be made 
uh, for him to put photos on and, and some of his research on. And from there, it was it was more along the lines of me feeling like I could do some of those things. And so I looked for jobs in those areas. I never was specifically trained in the technology side of that stuff, but I sort of got in at the ground level and so learned things that I don't, I don't know that a lot of people today learn the base elements of some of those things. Like HTML. Today, a lot of people, a lot of people use a program to put that thing, put, put HTML together. Mm -hmm. They don't necessarily know the actual writing behind it. And I feel more comfortable you know, writing HTML tags and, and sticking things together like that, CSS, JavaScript. Uh, of course, that may not be as efficient these days as, as using... Systems have gotten a lot better. Yes, uh, yes. For sure. I, I made the leap to cloud WYSIWYG editors sure. a number of years ago simply because it was far more efficient. Yeah. And the kind of what you alluded to in terms of the novelty. Yeah. Uh, the novelty left the building for me around probably 2008. Uh, so I was no longer doing web design because it was exciting and fun and I was learning new things. I was doing web design because it paid the bills. Yeah. Right. And I could still generate HTML code, write it by hand. Uh, I still do it once in a while. Yeah. Uh, but it's not something that I would ever go into intentionally thinking, hey, I'm going to make some money doing this. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I would never do that these days. I would I would produce, I would create a website or and as I have for some of my clients, but like I, you would create a website through a program these days, but the simple fact that you have produced websites by hand previously means that you can go into that code and change things that you might not be able to do very quickly in a program normally. So there are some, you know, there are some tricks there that you learn over the course of, over the course of that time. Just understanding what the WYSIWYG is doing. Yeah, exactly. And, and why it's doing it. Right. And you can pinpoint inefficiencies or, or troubleshoot the output. Yeah, right. For right. sure. I've got a pretty good sense of, of what, you, what you've done leading up to now. What would you say if I asked you to switch gears and talk about your values and, and perhaps how those values might tie to any goals that you've, you've got? You're making a face. Ladies and gentlemen, he's making a really funny <clears throat> face. And we have a history of funny faces in my family, so I'm familiar with this one. But I'm putting you on the spot. Yeah, you are putting me on the spot. I... I, I I didn't know that question was exactly coming. I, I, you know, values are something that I think about an awful lot, actually. And specifically now, when I'm trying to determine whether or not I continue down the same path that I'm continuing on, or if I switch gears and do something slightly different. Because what are my values at this point? I, I've, been, I've been trying to figure some of those things out. A lot of, a lot of what I've done with my jobs align to my values, because... I am trying to help somebody, in my mind, I am trying to help somebody provide education on their product or resource or whatever, and that's something that I can do within the scope of my values, which is, which is mainly to help people understand things. I don't, have to be, I don't have to be coercive to do that. I don't have to do things out negatively to do that. I don't have to, I really don't have to sell things to do that. I feel pretty good and positive about the things that I can do value-wise within the scope of my work. At this point, I'm, I'm looking at my values as, do I want to work as hard as I've been working? Do I, do I need to spend more time with, with some of my family members as they grow up? Do I need to work a little smarter and not harder? 
Do I want to go to a different part of the country for a while to expose my kids to something different? And how do I want to bring them into the working world? Mm -hmm. Because that was something that I didn't feel my parents did very well. Uh, it's not necessarily, you know, my, my dad helped, but it was more along the lines of kind of like a farm, farm. I felt kind of like a farm kid, even though I wasn't. Mm -hmm. uh, like, well, I've got a whole bunch of kids here. They can all help me do my job, you know? Sure. <laughs> and so they bring, you know, dad brings me along because he knows I know how to drive a tractor and, and whatnot. I would like to expose my kids early on to some of these things so they get a jump on how things work in the business world. And, I, and some of my decisions up until this point have been specifically to try to understand more of the different areas in our world. Like you mentioned... I mentioned earlier working at the university. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah, that would have been very comfortable for me to stay there. I could have been comfortable staying there for my whole life, I suppose, because I could have transferred to a different job here and there or whatever within the university It's system. a very insulated world. It's a very insulated world. And I had the opportunity to go to the corporate world and my my boss tried to not have me go there because I did a good job. I he you know He said I did a good job for him doing the job I was doing. But it was definitely something that I felt I needed to learn about. I, I need to know about this business world because these days universities even talk about public-private partnerships, mm -hmm. for example. And how does the university system know about private partnerships if they don't have anybody on the inside who knows anything about private companies? Right. Even if I didn't even if I don't go back to a university sometime, I feel like I know a little bit more about how the corporate world functions. And truthfully, a university in the corporate world, in my view, don't really function that differently. I, I felt better in some ways in academia, and I felt better in some ways in the corporate world. You know, I felt like the corporate world was focused very much so on doing one or two or three things well, and all of their resources were bent on that. Whereas the academia, it felt like a whole bunch of entrepreneurs um, being the professors, and they were all sort of vying for the same resources. So it, I don't know. I, I've sort of lost steam on that question, but... Well, you, you kind of... Uh, the, typically how I lead in with this question is, can you sum up the values you hold most dear? Yeah. I'm asking you to be as specific or general as you're comfortable with. And you led kind of with the idea that your value kind of circles around the core concept of helping people to understand things. Yeah. Right? Or helping them to learn things. Um, so there's a service aspect to that, and there's an education aspect to that, and an empowering others aspect to that. But are there any other values you think that may not revolve around your job, for example? You, you kind of alluded to the fact that, that family time is important to you, and that maybe you know honoring or, or protecting family time might be a value. But I want to give you the chance to, to maybe speak to, to anything that hasn't been covered there. Well, you, you, you said a couple of different values there, and, and one that jumped out at me was service. And, you know, during the last couple of days, you and I have talked about some of these values. And I know that my wife brought up the different love languages. Mm -hmm. And one, my, my main love language, if you're talking about the, the several different love languages, is acts of service. And I feel like doing things for other people, helping them understand things, well, not only does that help myself, because I enjoy learning and understanding new things, but it helps other people. And I feel like I've, I've been told that <laughs> I do a pretty good job of breaking things down 
so that a person can understand it. And I try to do that in many different ways because not everybody understands things on the first pass in what, if you explain it one way. You know, you try to explain one concept one way and if they don't get it, you, you circle around and try it a different way. Uh, but one of the things that I really enjoy is seeing that aha moment on somebody else's face when the light bulb goes off and they say, oh, well, I'll be dang, that's, I didn't know that worked that way. Okay, well, I get it now. And I think, I think a lot of my, I think a lot of my energy is spent trying to do things for other people in service of that, in service of that value. Well, get, I, get, I, get, yeah. Get. No, no, I was just going to say, I, I value, I value new experiences and I want to pass that on to my kids. I value travel. I value connecting with other people in very different locales uh, because I feel like not just in the United States. I've I've been fortunate enough to travel in many different places in the world, and I feel like if we all had that opportunity, we would understand that that we are more alike than than political pundits pundits want to want to make us believe. We're all way more alike than we are different. And if we could just get past some of these some of these small idiosyncrasies that that are pointed out all the time, we would have a much smoother running world and and a much more happy world where we could all advance. Well given given that those are your your values and the things that you, that you hold dear, what goals do you have now or or have you made in the past or or do you think you may have in the future that kind of align with those those values so that that could be things that are very specific like i want to go on a uh, you know an agricultural service mission in in thailand in five years and I'm working towards that or, or something more vague yeah you know you asked me that question and that's a great question i'm i've been doing some soul searching in the last six months as i'm sure a lot of people have been doing over the last year and a half uh during during the covid thing and, and I've been trying to figure out some of those goals because they've changed, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, this, and this period of time at home has definitely driven home that I need to do a little more work on some of those goals or I need to come up with, I, I need to focus a little more on some of those goals. One of them that I have, that I have aspired to for a long time that's, that's been on the books has been to take my, my family to a different country for six weeks uh, six weeks, six months, if I can do it, to really experience a different way of life. For I don't expect that to happen when my children are very young, but I'd like to do that at some point. And that, that really aligns with with my value of, of learning how other people live and, and trying to connect with those other people. I, I want other I want my kids to experience other cultures and other people and I want them to be influenced by those other cultures so they realize that not everything is the way you see it when we're at home. And and to recognize and cherish differences. Absolutely. Versus maybe recognizing them but making assumptions around them. Or <laughs> yeah. or just having a gut reaction yeah. uh, you know, of of oh that's not that's not how I am. Therefore, it's bad. Right, right. Yeah, it's it's very easy to have a gut reaction, and it, it's a lot harder to sit there and sit there in the space for a while and absorb what's going on, and then come to a different conclusion. Mm-hmm. That's a that's a different skill, and that takes a while to develop. There, there's a I, I forget who said it. Uh, I, I probably heard it on a podcast, but the, they were kind of making fun of the idea of discomfort. Uh, so it's 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 actually not fatal to be uncomfortable, right? Yes. Uh, it's you. You can actually power through it quite easily, uh, and if you're uncomfortable, it's it's helpful to analyze why you're uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Is it because it's different? Is it because it's maybe calling out some 
truths to you that you'd rather not confront? Or is it uh, pulling things out of you, emotions and, and such that are maybe deep-seated and, and not something that, that you've had to confront before? I know, for example, I went to to India uh, mm-hmm. a couple times and the certainly there's there's abject poverty everywhere mm-hmm. but there was abject poverty very closely adjacent to high value high dollar te- technological mm-hmm. properties and, uh, and so the the contrast kind of called out both sides of it and that instantly made me feel uncomfortable and I, I as I'm sitting in the hotel trying to analyze that I'm like well that's because I come from a place of, of relative privilege if you think about the, the global uh, economic structure, I'm, I'm privileged. I, I have a house. I have a yard. I have cars. You know, I, I was able to go to, to higher education, etc. I'm very mm-hmm. privileged. And so I realized I was uncomfortable because I come from a place of privilege and I was witnessing poverty. Well, that's that's not their problem. That's my problem. Right. right? <laughs> that's nothing inherently wrong with any culture that I'm around. That's just something I've got to deal with. Yeah. Yeah, that's... that's um... That's something I've I've had difficulty being uncomfortable in those situations, and I, and I'm not saying that I that I I value being uncomfortable in those situations because, like you said, it, it tells me a lot about the things I need to learn. It tells me a lot about the things that I can help change. Maybe mm-hmm. it tells me a lot about the things that I find value in, and and the things that I've that I've been oblivious to. There, there's a there's an author named Stephen Pressfield. And he wrote a book called The uh, the War of Art. Not The Art of War, but The War of Art, right? Yes, I have that. <laughs> and he talks about this, this concept of resistance. Mm-hmm. And resistance being the force that uh, acts against us anytime we try to uh, take on a, a creative endeavor or try to improve ourselves or try to improve the world. It's this invisible force, he, he calls resistance, that, that tries to block our, our progress in life. And... Uh, he, he kind of pointed out that the more resistance you feel, the more you know you're on the right track, right? So it's almost a compass, a built-in compass that we can use. And instead of falling victim to it, we can acknowledge it. Oh, I'm feeling the resistance mm-hmm. here. I must be on the right path. Or this must be something that is worthwhile me pursuing because yeah. I'm feeling this resistance. And to a, to a degree, discomfort can be seen the same way. Yeah. I, I think a lot of us have... I think a lot of us have dealt with some of that discomfort over the past year and a half. Oh yeah. And and I think well, for me specifically, I've been dealing with exactly that discomfort trying to figure out what my next steps are. Because yes, I have been working uh for myself more or less for the last 6 years. And even though that has been the case, uh I I'm trying to figure out that this last year and a half has showed me that I need to go somewhere different. And I'm not sure where that is yet. I'm not sure if I need to expand my offerings, if I need to connect with different people, if I need to go to a different topic sphere, or or if I need to just develop new skills overall. But I know something needs to change. I just don't know what it is yet. Yeah, it's funny that you mentioned Stephen Pressfield because I just bought that book. I haven't read it all yet. Um, so that, that I'm glad to hear that that's a good one. He's got another one. It's kind of a follow-up to the first, to the to the War of Art. It's called uh, Going Pro. Hmm. And it's the idea that any of us that are that are engaged in some sort of creative uh, uh, aspect, whether it's a writer or author or producer or whatever it is, um, you can be an amateur or you can be a professional. Yeah, and and the difference is that if you're a professional, you do it, you do it reliably, consistently. Whether or not you're feeling good about it or bad about it, whether you're grumpy or happy, you just do it. You sit down and do it, and you don't wait for the muse to come. 
Right. The muse will come after you've been doing it for a while reliably. And uh, it, it's it's uh, an interesting book just because he it's almost in the form of fables, like Aesop's mm-hmm. fables type things. That's cool. Just short little blurbs, almost like a blog posts or something. Um, but he, that the composite image that emerges is very compelling and, and somewhat guilt-inducing, at least for me, and uh, that I've allowed myself to be an amateur when it comes to my pursuits in art and in music and in writing specifically. So I'm like, yeah, it's, it's, it's time to, to turn pro in one or more of those things by simply doing it, doing it reliably and consistently That's- and trusting <laughs> to the fates that, that success will come to me. Yeah. That's uh that's, that's a good insight because that's, that's exactly that's exactly how I'm feeling at the moment. Uh, I I feel good that I am a pro at the things I'm currently doing, uh, and I feel like there's something more. I, I do have I do have a couple uh, a couple uh, hobbies, if you will, that I'm realizing we're not we're not all getting younger, and and I I need to do something about the 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 few things that I still really want to do in life. Um, and hopefully that can those things can help people. Well, let's see. Um, we've got a really good idea what, what you're doing, how you're doing it, dreams, goals, aspirations, all that good stuff. Uh, I, the next bit, I want to ask you something because I know you're you're successful. You you have, and, and that's a loaded word, I know, but from my subjective perspective, the things that I value, you're you're successful because you have a um, a career that you've been able to to sustain. You've been able to, to have a family, to grow a family, to keep them fed, clothed. I've seen them. I've interacted with them. They seem relatively normal. Um. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm glad you say so. Of course, relative re- normal is subjective, so our, our normal may not be the, the, the same normal. But Well, you're Iowa normal then. How's that? I'm Iowa normal. <laughs> sure. So I want to ask you how you get all this stuff done. Um, I mean, you're, you're a parent, you're a professional, you're a husband, uh, you're, you're a part of a large family uh, and you get a lot of stuff done. So how do you do it? Um, are there any tips or tricks or rituals, habits that you feel have influenced your success in, in work and, and at home and in remaining aligned with your values and goals? Yes. Okay. The follow-up question is, will you share? <laughs> <laughs> the, so I don't have many tips and tricks. Um, my brain is always on, unfortunately, and that wakes me up in the middle of the night a lot. But the best thing I have discovered about myself, and, and I know it helps a lot of other people too, I have one of those little Moleskine Reporter flip books, and I know people are tempted to go digital these days with, with things like that, writing notes, daily daily task lists or whatever. That little reporter book, and I buy them in bulk, that little reporter book is my is my journal, my daily task list, my 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 brain, if you want to call it that. I, I sketch in it, I write ideas in it, I write things about bills I've got to pay, you know, all sorts of things. But the ritual that I try to adhere to, and of course I haven't on this vacation, but um, is the night before the next day, I write down the things the next day that I've got to do and the things that I know are important to advance me to the next thing, to the next level of the things that I'm trying to get done. Mm -hmm. And just having done that the night before means it's top of mind the next morning. 
there, there's a book out there that talks about imagining the things that you want to do and then you will do them because your subconscious is churning on them the whole the whole uh, time. And so I have found that that really works for me. I, I try to write things down the day before. I try to have goals, general goals in mind for the direction that I'm going and put my daily goals in alignment with those. And that, that has helped me immeasurably. I, I, I don't really think about accomplishing things. I just know they'll get done. I don't know the time frame necessarily. And sometimes, sometimes the time frame butts up against something else that I need to get done. And so there's a scurry at the end to try to get things done. But on the whole, sometimes I feel like I'm overconfident. I don't feel like I really am overconfident. I just feel like I know I will get something done. And it will just come to pass. And I think a lot of that feeling has come from writing things down and making sure I understand what it is I need to do. So I imagine the, the subtraction of fear that you'll forget something, that something will yes. drop off the map is probably an element of that confidence that, that you're feeling. Yeah. Uh, I know I don't have a good journaling practice. Uh, I'm, it's one of my things that I'm working on. Uh, I think that I have a fear that I'm going to forget something. I'm going to, something's going to drop off the map and it's going to be catastrophic and we're all going to die. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's taking it a little bit far, but you get what I mean. I definitely have that fear because I don't have a practice that I can be confident in. Yeah, I, I think I think that has that practice. And I didn't really set out with that practice to increase my confidence. I really just did it in the beginning to make sure I remembered everything. Mm-hmm. And that was, you know, that was that was my daily planner. I, I didn't want to I didn't want to have to keep refreshing my screen to make sure it stayed on. I don't know. It, it's so useful for me to carry a little book in my pocket all everywhere I go and write things down because it helps it helps me it helps me flesh out ideas it helps me remember ideas that I want to remember it helps me helps me remember things about photos that I've seen or or goals that I want to that I want to commit to or a whole a whole host of other things and there are definitely times when I when I thumb back through my black my little black books to figure out what day it was that I was on I always date the days and write the things down for the next day. I, I go back and figure out what day it was. Oh yeah, that's what I did then. So it's it's been helpful for remembering things too. What, if any, uh, are some areas you think you can stand to have some improvement in? For me, uh, I, I you know kind of tied to what I said, I don't really have a consistent practice. So for me, staying organized and finishing projects are things that I need to work on. Yeah, I think I think the biggest the biggest thing that I need to improve upon is choosing a path and and then working on that path that uh, that may just that may sound easy to a lot of people but for me it's personally not i feel like i don't know if i was told this at some point in my early life or whatnot but i feel like given enough time i can do anything okay of course that doesn't mean that i can fly or you know whatever but that means that if i set a goal given enough time i will accomplish it and i feel like i can accomplish it that's a problem as much as I, I mean, it's a problem because in my mind, I have all of these huge goals that I would love to do, but my life is finite and I need to make a choice and follow something. And that that is the biggest thing that I need to work on. I need to I need to flesh out the things that I really want to get done. 
and really focus on doing them. I love the life I've had so far. I know that I'm hoping that it will be, that I will be healthy and happy for the next 50 years, but I don't want to take that into account. I don't want to take that for granted, I mean. Yeah. And um, at this point in my life, I, I can see the possibility of not taking that for granted as my as my people that I know have surgeries or, or whatever, you know. I'm happy, healthy, fit, strong. I need to make sure that I'm doing the things I want to do when I can do them. Mm-hmm. And I want, and, and it's very hard for me to focus on that. So that's probably the biggest thing I need to... Kind of figuring out your life's order of operations. Yeah, if there was a... If there was a couple functions I could write to help me with that, that would be great. (laughs) Well, we're just about out of time. So I want to zoom out a little bit and ask two questions before I kind of hand over the reins to you. They say hindsight is 20-20. If you could go back, what major decision would you change and and why? That could be, so maybe it's a role that you did or didn't take or leaving school or going back to school, starting a business. What would that big thing you'd change be? And in all openness, uh, some guests simply say, I wouldn't change anything. I I don't know that there are too many choices that I wouldn't have made. I think the one thing, I think the one thing that I regret somewhat is not doing more with music. I, I, I played piano into college and I, I started piano, I started college as a piano major. And I, I, to some degree, regret not following that path farther. And so right nowadays, it's more just about, just a hobby and and not even a not even a big hobby at that. Trying to get my kids involved with some of the music things. I I have wishes and desires to write music, uh, and I have a feeling that there's music in me that needs to come out, but I don't know how to start it. And so I wish I wish I had I wish I had gone a little farther on that path. That's probably the biggest regret that I have. And see, I never would have known that you had songs inside you, uh, struggling to get out. If we hadn't had this podcast. <laughs> yeah, well, my my family knows that I'm not a weird Al Yankovic by any stretch, but I I tend to take any melody that I've heard, and I and I don't know where they're all stored in me, but they're all there somewhere, and I will create on the fly new words for it, and well, Tom, obviously they're stored in your humorous. Yes, that's that. Yeah, I never considered that. That's that's a great. That's very punny, Rich. I, I should have thought of that. Well, the the, the the second question is is what's next for you? What's and, next? Uh, uh, that's the fun one for you. <laughs> yeah, that that's the hardest one for me, actually. I mean, that goes along with what I had said previously mm-hmm. about my goal of trying to figure out what it is that I'm doing next. And I, I'm honestly, I'm not sure. I, I have a couple different ways I can go, and the hardest thing for me is going to be co- to commit to one of those paths. I feel like I want to add value to the world still. I mean, I feel like I am adding value to the world by, by definition of what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. Educationally, I want to add value, more value to the world in that regard. But I, I also need to feel more creative about it. And, and there's a lot of creativity that I currently have in my job. So I don't know exactly what I mean by that other than, other than I feel this tremor in me that needs more creativity coming out. So kind of the, what's the, next the for me is... You, you have more to give. Yeah. I'm just not sure what form that will take. Yeah, and, and I, don't, I don't make any... I don't have any preconceived notions that it's going to be 
that I'm trying to be great at anything. I just feel like there's more creative juice to flow and I whether that whether I'm good at it or not, I need to I need to try a few more things. I I I have I have a few connections that that I can leverage for that, but I I need to I need to be able to interact better with people. I need to I mean this podcast of yours is a great example, right? You went and and you're doing a podcast. And that is part of a creative endeavor for you that will allow you to connect with a lot of other people. I need to work on connecting with other people because I, f- I learn so much from other people, but at the same time, I feel like I have other things to give. And how that's going to be done yet, I'm not quite sure. Well, maybe I can have you back for a follow-up episode sometime when you've figured it out. That, when, that, you, uh, uh, when you've identified what those, those new routes of adding value to the world really are. <laughs> if, if I ever feel like I know that I've, that I'm at that place, mm-hmm. I will be shouting it from the mountaintops, and I, I will <laughs> I will definitely let you know, but I don't know if, I, again, don't have any preconceived notion that that will ever happen. I just feel like that may, I feel like there's something in there that needs to come out yet. I'm hoping that I can add value to people's lives somehow. Well, Tom, you have given us your, your time graciously, your, your vacation time, I might add. Uh, so before we sign off, if, if you uh, would like, can you tell us how we can find out more about you, how to find you on the on the web, or if there are any words of wisdom that you'd like to share, or causes that you would like to draw attention to? Uh, causes. Well, I would have to I would I would have to think about that a little more deeply. Sure. And as as far as getting in touch with me, um, I do have a website, although I haven't been keeping it up very well. It's more of a placeholder than anything. I, I use my web space for for my client purposes rather than my own distribution. Sure. So my my email is tom.schultz, S-C-H-U-L-T-Z, at techandlearn.com. So if, tech, tech and learn, can you spell yeah, it? T-E-C-H-A-N-D-L-E-A-R-N.com. Okay. So if if anybody's interested in, in, uh, in chatting or... Sharing ideas. Sharing and, ideas, yeah. that would be great. I'm very interested in that. Other than that, my like I said, my website doesn't have much on it. Um, it's it's really just a placeholder for for my client. My client. It's where you uh, dump work. your files, right? I hate to say <laughs> it, um, and I've heard that from a number of different different people in groups where they don't have time to design their own website, even though that's what they do. So they hire somebody to do it. Yeah. That that is absolutely true. I have a bunch of files on there, but they're all client client services that I'm working on for for other people. Sure. So, yeah, I mean, I can, I can work for for months on a, on a client project, but I find myself hard pressed to spend more than four to eight hours on something for me, something yeah. uh, that represents me or my brand or anything like that. It's I think it's a very common failing. Yeah. Well. Yeah. So. Thank you so much, Tom. Uh, I hope you've enjoyed this. Uh, uh, yeah, this has been fun. I, I, I hope our, our listeners uh, out there enjoy this. And maybe this will find somebody at that moment in their life where something we've shared will, will trigger something in them and that will give them that next step. That's kind of my hope is that eventually I'll, I'll get that one email or phone call saying, man, I just I heard this episode and it really answered a question. Yeah. Uh, speaking of listeners, do you find folks out there? The only thing I ask is that if you enjoyed this episode, if this kind of chatter uh, around the unique ways that folks end up in their roles, if that's interesting to you, please leave a review on whatever platform you're listening to. And if you feel so inclined, like us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. We're a new podcast, so every bit of exposure helps. 
Thank you so much. I'm grateful for your support. And until next time, stay focused on your why.